It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. Um, I am on the road again. I'm here at the Lenten Retreat at the Greek Orthodox Church in Southampton, New York. Yes, it's the Hamptons. It's not exactly a hardship, mm-hmm. um, but a very active church. And this annual event helps to strengthen the faith of men and women who are the leaders in the church. And they're called archons. And we'll get to that later. But the keynote speaker is Reverend Dr. Nicholas Lowe, and he's quite impressive. Um, he's probably igniting a spiritual fire in the Orthodox world. In fact, listening to him, you might even think he's an evangelical preacher. And I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment, but welcome anyway. It's so uh, it's an honor to be with you. So what, when I call you, when I listen to you and think, my goodness, this is like an evangelical preacher, what what, what is your reaction? You know uh, for me, I, I look at the fact that I'm just telling his story. I'm just telling Christ's story. And when you share that story, um, it lights. it's just full of joy for me. It's an inspirational story that motivates me. And I feel like God has put this on my heart um, to share God's good news. I mean, we call it the good news for a reason. And yeah. it should be good news. And yes, it should be challenging us. And yes, there's a part of Christianity that is all about uh, confrontation, as far as confrontation in the spiritual battles, if you will. But there's also communion with Christ. And that is love. You know, you, if you're not a Christian, I mean, if you don't understand, or if you're a nominal Christian, and you don't understand the difference between the denominations, between, you know, Protestantism and the Orthodox mm-hmm. and the Roman Catholicism, what I'm saying doesn't make sense to anyone, right? That you're mm-hmm. on fire for the Orthodox world. The or- but I'm married to a Greek Orthodox. I was brought up in the AME church, mm-hmm. the black church. Mm-hmm. I was baptized in a Baptist church. So I know the difference between a lot of these churches. And I think one of the things that I thought about when I, in, the, in the Greek church is that there's so much ritual. There's so much chanting. And I don't understand what's going on. And it's mm-hmm. in Greek. And, and here you are coming out. And you are like gangbusters. You could be like Billy Graham. Mm. Well, I'm honored that to even be mentioned the same sentence with him. I, you know, for me, Lauren, it's one of those things, as I mentioned earlier, that um, I think that, that for traditional churches, we've had this beautiful, what I call the deep end of the pool of faith. Um, and really where we're challenged with is how do we share it in a way that's practical, applicable, and relevant to people's lives? Because there is a beauty in the in the tradition, and a lot of churches, I would say, uh, and Protestant churches, and I, I like to group them all because there's, I find there's beauty in every church, um, and I think we do, sadly, too much division within churches as opposed to what Christ says when he says that, that we need to make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the faith. And so for me, what encourages me is that I feel like if we're not sharing the message in a way that's practical and applicable, then we're losing our people, and what people are yearning for is they, they love the they, they they will embrace the ritual, the the symbolism, the theology. They just want to know what it means and yeah. how do I apply it in my life. So when we talk about um, you know why are we fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, when we can say you know Wednesdays was a day that Christ was betrayed. We know that we know that from the Bible he was betrayed on a Wednesday, and we fast on Fridays because Friday was a day that Christ 
willingly gave his life for us and we just pause at that fasting and we learn okay that fasting is not that fasting without prayer is just simply going on a diet yeah and so we use these kind of if we can tie the traditional parts i think america to be quite honest with you is yearning for that i think for too many churches we're getting a very shallow end almost like a cotton candy kind of really a sugar fix um, <laughs> and then we and then and then it just kind of fizzles out and you see a lot of people um, kind of going into a church, they may be there for six months, a year, two years, and then not, and it's not feeding them anymore. That's why we have thirty-three thousand different Christian denominations. That wasn't the intent for God, from God. He He yearned that there'd be one body. The Bible says through the pen of Saint Paul, one body, one church. Yeah. And so um, that's what I hope that what I'm sharing with the people that are in the Orthodox Church, and we do speeches outside the Orthodox Church as well. It is to encourage people. Hey, listen, God wants our heart. It's great to have our mind, but if it's just simply information and it's never transformation, that's not what he yearns for us. You know, you just spoke today about on renewing you. This is about your book that you wrote with your wife, who was a psychologist, Dr. Roxanne Lowe. Um, and it's like renewing you, a priest, a psychologist, and a plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, and I, I see the people here at the retreat, and most of them are very um, into the Greek Orthodox Church. Mm-hmm. They're very devout, but you blew them away. Mm-hmm. They had... It's like they'd never heard this message in the Greek Orthodox Church before. Mm-hmm. What does that say to you? That our people are hungry. That our people are hungry. The Bible says that uh, the um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And it just reminds me that the people are wanting to hear more about God's his love story. Mm-hmm. I, I, I said in the retreat, I said that, you know, how can we expect to know what God's intention, his purpose, his dream for our life if we're not reading the greatest romance story of all time? How are we supposed to know how to deal with the struggles that all of us are facing? We watch on the news so much doom and gloom, so much sadness that is that is real. And for many of us, we just simply change the channel because we don't want to listen to it. But it's a real. These are people that are seriously struggling. They're dying. Every three and a half seconds, someone is dying of hunger. How are we to know what our purpose is if we're not reading the owner's manual? And so for me, um, what I'm, I'm humbled by their beautiful love and their support. And I give all glory to God. I'm just simply just unwrapping the gift that he's given me. But I also realize the, the enormous um, hunger there, there is in this world for the good news of Christ. Now, you, um, your parents were born in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and there is a big Greek Orthodox yes. uh, church in Jerusalem. Um, but your father came here with about $200 in his pocket, mm-hmm. and he worked at Burger King. That right. just blows my mind away, mm-hmm. um, that you were kind of brought up on the Whopper. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a you know, I, my father has gone to be with the Lord, as I mentioned in the retreat um, five years ago. He passed away from cancer. But, yes, I, I look at how he had nothing uh, like many people that come to this country yearning for uh, a new life, a new opportunity. He came to this country with nothing, and he provided so much for us, really without speaking the language. And one thing that was so at his core, Lauren, was Christ. He was a God-first man, mm. uh, and he raised us that way. Um, and so for me, in some small way, I feel like I'm honoring him by every retreat that we do. And this book, as you mentioned, Renewing You, was born out of our desire to honor our parents, our dads, Roxanne dad, uh, Roxanne's father passed away eight months after my dad did from cancer as well. Mm. And so um, we wanted to make a difference in our world and uh, knowing what they went through uh, and getting to this country and all that, that, that came along with that. So, yeah, You know, one of the things that really um, kind, of, um, kind of impressed me is this idea that, you know, you believe that the Greek Orthodox Church 
is the church. Um, is the church that Christ created? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to imagine that a lot of people kind of find, kind of find offense at that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. wait a second, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Protestant, I'm mm-hmm. a Presbyterian, mm-hmm. and how can you say that the Greek mm-hmm. Orthodox Church is the church? Mm-hmm. You know? So, it's, what I, when I say that, I say what I'm referring to is the fact that there is beauty in every church. Every church has amazing theology, amazing talents, but when you look at the history of Christianity, and I think sometimes we begin the history of Christianity for a lot of Western churches at the Protestant Reformation. In fact, many seminaries don't even discuss a great deal of what happened the first 1,500 years. Have people ever wondered, where did the Bible come from? Mm -hmm. Why do we worship on a Sunday? Where is the notion of the Holy Trinity? It's never mentioned, the word Trinity is never mentioned in Scripture. Where did that all that come from? We would argue that there was the church that was there. The um, there's a a great book to just a little pamphlet it was called the Disciples Pamphlet called the Didache or Didactic Teachings. These people were people that um, that shared exactly what worship looked like on a Sunday morning. It wasn't all of not that we not that what we're seeing now with a lot of the. Uh, uh, you know the lights and the the music, which is let me be very clear, is absolutely beautiful. I find so much joy in the Christian music. I listen to a lot of it actually during my workouts. Mm-hmm. But there was a, a a church that the disciples themselves were practicing. There was a way where the Eucharist was at the center part, and not by the way a symbol, but that they those disciples, those twelve disciples, knew understood it to be the real body and blood of Christ. And so when you start lo- simply looking at simply for historical purposes, what is the Orthodox Church? And we're still relatively new in the States. I think when people hear the word Greek Orthodox Church, it implies that it's only for quote-unquote Greek people. But the Greek Orthodox Church is open to all people. It's the second largest church in the world. So first is Catholicism, then there's the Orthodox Church, so the Russian Orthodox, the Ukrainian Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox, the Antiochian Orthodox. They're all the same liturgy, same worship, same theology. So I would encourage any of your listeners that, you know, absolutely, there's beauty in every tradition, but I would explore the Orthodox Church. Just Mm -hmm. see, just see the theology and and seeing if you're trying to get back to the, really the, the original way of worship, what that looked like, check out the Orthodox Church. Now, let me be very clear. That's not to say that the church itself is made is perfect. We have our own set of flaws, our own struggles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found my faith, as I mentioned in my retreat, um, at Gordon-Conwell Theological School, a school that was founded by Billy Graham. So, um, so again, there's so much beauty in those churches. But for me, um, I find that the Orthodox Church has so much to offer. Um, and as a, as a priest who has a lot of the quote-unquote uh, degrees that one would say are, um, that are the sign of knowledge, I would say that my knowledge is still a, a kindergartner. I'm, I'm still just learning about what this mm-hmm. church has to offer, and that's what keeps me hungry. What about the young people? One of the things that I've noticed about the young people in the Greek community is that they just feel so disconnected from their church. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the advantages that Protestant churches have is that they can kind of appeal to young people with their music and their um, their language, their needs, and mm-hmm. trying to apply their lives, the, the scripture to their lives. The the Greek Orthodox Church is very structured mm-hmm. in terms of the divine liturgy, mm-hmm. and if you go into a Greek church, much of it is in Greek, and you know the phrase hence Greek to me. Yeah, right, right, um, right. How do you bring? How do you marry those two worlds? So I think that's where I would say that I lean on my Protestant brothers and sisters and their and the churches that they're uh, how they approach their ministries. 
I oftentimes tell people that I learned the theology at an Orthodox seminary. I learned how to share it um, in a Protestant school. Um, and so for me, what I would say is we as a, as a church, I think, need to hear the voice of our young people, what they are needing, what they are wanting. Um, Jesus always, when we study the Bible, always went where they are at. Um, he always allowed himself to uh, not wait for them to come to him, but he would go to them. And I think that what we're seeing with the, you know, the advancements in social media, um, the way that uh, people are getting their news, getting their information, the way that people are constantly being inundated with how they should look, what they should believe, how they should um, uh, behave, I think the church has to, as I mentioned in the retreat, the church, for all churches, I would argue, has to get out of the church. We have got to get out of the walls of this church and make the four corners of this world the church. Um, I want to give you a little background because I failed to mention this. You were actually the senior pastor at St. John the Divine Greek Orthodox Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, you also are, I thought this is really interesting, that you are the chaplain for the Jacksonville Sparks Arena football team? How did the that sharks. happen? Yes, yeah, right. Well, is it Sharks or Sparks? What did I say? Sharks. There's yeah, Sharks. Yeah, okay, it's, yeah. my, it's my typing. No, 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 it's not a problem. Um, you know, we do, we have for the last uh, probably 10 or 12 years have been giving out these little daily inspirational messages on sports radio. And it, on the surface you just think, why would a priest be giving a 10 second or 30 <laughs> second message on a sports radio? But Lauren, can I tell you how many people have contacted us and just said, thank you so much. I just needed a break during my day. Just something of encouragement. And it's not a, it's not a deep theological thing. Sometimes it's just simply saying, hey, look, God loves you. Um, don't worry. Things are going to get okay. God's still on the throne. He's still in control. Um, and then through that, we have a very beloved member of our, ch our church family who was very connected with the Jacksonville Sharks. And he was saying, Father Nick, there's something that you need to do. Um, and I, we took on that. And I've gotten to know these players, and it's just been a blessing for me to be um, to speak to these young men who are giving so much to entertain us. Um, and it's it's, a, it's amazing too, Lauren, how much many of them feed me spiritually. Their hunger for Christ, their hunger for is models their hunger to be the best athlete on the field. Um, and Christ calls us; He says we're we're called to be athletes for Christ, and so. It's been a blessing for me to do that. I don't know if there is any other out there, but it's the first time I've ever met a Greek Orthodox priest who's actually a chaplain for a football team right. or and a sports <laughs> team. It's like, what? Yeah, right, All right. of these things are really different for what the impression is of the Greek Orthodox Church. And I hate to really hone mm -hmm. that in, but I think it's really important to understand that. One of the things that I thought was very interesting, one of the questions that came in, and this is something I think that... Um, a lot of parents are struggling with, with their uh, their children. They said children are suffering from depression more than any other generation before. Mm -hmm. um, that that was one of the questions to come in virtually, I thought, was significant in that there's a, and I go back to this younger generation, why do you think this generation of children, um, young people, young adults, are having a, a hard time in this world when they've got more things at their disposal. There's more materialism. There's more money. There are more things. There are more, there's, there's just more of everything, and mm -hmm. yet they're depressed. Mm -hmm. Why is that? C.S. Lewis says that uh, humanity is in this constant struggle and journey to fill a hole in their heart that only Christ can fill. I mentioned earlier in the book of Ecclesiastes where Solomon speaks about the fact that I've had I have education. I have, uh, he refers to himself as having uh, the ways of the world, uh, money, all this stuff. And he says, but I still not, I still haven't found the thing that will fill that heart. He calls it, he says in the very first chapter, it's all meaningless. 
what I would want your listeners to hear today is that there is a 1 in 50 chance for a child to stay connected to a church if the father is not going to church. Staying at home parents will not raise going to church children. So we have to own, and I'm a parent myself, we have to own that the greatest examples um, are us as parents. And you as the fathers who might be listening, hear me clearly saying that your that your influence over your children's life, their walk of faith, is squarely more than your wife is in your hands. And so we have to model that in our own life, in our own family. We have to bring God back into our homes. Uh, the Bible says a family that prays together, you know, stays together. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if only 13%, and these are statistics, I, I, that's why I try to bring facts and not just simply uh, speaking just passionately, which I'd love to do as well, but if only 13% of Christians are actually reading their Bible, I mean, how can we expect our youth to know if we're never talking about what the Bible means to us in our homes, if we're never having a Bible study and saying, hey, son, let, let's talk about this particular Bible verse. Where are they going to be learning that? And in the absence of uh, leadership, and this is a true principle in every facet, in the absence of leadership, chaos always happens. And that's what we're seeing. Mm. Where we're seeing where every 13 seconds a divorce is taking place. We're seeing, especially during COVID, Lauren, and you know this as a reporter, everything that's bad is up. And so it is on the small church, I would argue, the family and the big church to kind of do all that they can in bringing God back into our, um, into our lives, into the church, um, into that little mini church, if you will, speaking about what God means, modeling what Christ teaches us, and also the church to be very practical with our youth. Because what's happening now is uh, these young people are looking at Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Um, they're looking at this, if you will, the, the, the highlight reel of what people's lives are and thinking that this is the real world. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that this is a spiritual battle that we're in. This is a spiritual battle that I don't think many people realize. And as, a, as the old adage goes, the devil is in the details. And so this is one of those ways. So these kids are comparing their life to this highlight reel that they're seeing in someone else. So I would say that, you know, we have to better know what our children are, are inputting into themselves. We've got to model more of what Christ teaches us. We have to be living more and reading more and studying more. And dare I say, connecting more to Christ because it cascades into every facet of our life. In the Orthodox theology, we talk about sin never being just about the person. So my sin is not just about me. It domino effects into everyone around me. It affects my relationship with my wife, Roxanne, our two children, George and Gabriella. And so I have to be aware of that. And I have to be connected to Christ to deal with it. Uh, we're going to take a little break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with um, the Reverend Dr. Nicholas Glow. We'll be right back. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. And we're back with Dr. Nick, uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Nicholas Lowe. Mm-hmm. He is the senior pastor of St. John the Divine, a Greek Orthodox Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And I remember St. John the Divine because there's a big St. John the Divine right. here in, uh, in New York City, too. Um, but it's not Greek Orthodox, obviously. Right, right. It is, Episcopal, is it Episcopal? I, I yes, it, it is the Episcopal, actually, arch, uh, the, the center of the Archdiocese for mm-hmm. the Episcopal Church. But... Um, the Greek Orthodox Church, and you were talking about spiritual warfare. When you started talking about spiritual warfare, I thought, okay, he's going to lose him here. <laughs> right. He's just going to lose him right, here. Right, right, right. This is not something that um, 
sort of very structured Orthodox churches talk about the mm-hmm. spiritual warfare mm-hmm. um, because there is this element. I noticed this in in the church. There's this element that I can control God through my ritual, mm-hmm. right? I you know through my prayers, through my being at church, through my you know you know crossing myself. Mm-hmm. All of those things are part of the ritual through which I can control God. Now you're interjecting spiritual warfare, and whoa, wait a second, what's that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I would argue that the Orthodox theology is that the church, the first of all, the Bible from cover to cover speaks about that. I mentioned in my retreat that um, the very first thing that the devil, the devil is quoted in the scripture in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, it simply says that the devil asks Adam and Eve a question. And he says, did God really say this? Did God really say this? He was already sowing a seed of doubting uh, for us to doubt truly who God is in our life. Then you fast forward in the New Testament. When Jesus is tempted, um, he goes into this desert. Um, and that's why, well, that's one of the things that we talk about a great deal of. I didn't mention it today, but Jesus goes in the desert to pray. And we need to pray. Why? Because right after that prayer, he's tempted. And it's interesting that the Bible says that when Jesus was tempted, and all of you should go back and read this in the Bible. It's why it's so, it's the, it's the owner manual, owner's manual of how to live our lives. But the Bible says that the devil would leave Jesus waiting, now listen to this, for an opportune time. In mm-hmm. other words, he doesn't leave him permanently. He simply just waits for another opportune time. And so the challenge that we have to realize is that just because we may not believe it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And the greatest lie that the devil is telling this world, and I would argue that we've seen it full-fledged over the last two years, especially in our country, and we love America. We are so blessed to be in this country. But the mantra for the devil is three words, divide and conquer. And he's dividing us. He's dividing us upon party lines. He's dividing us upon in families over the pandemic, over um, what, what uh, masks and unmasked. Uh, and what I tell people is that if you're not fighting, he's winning. And some of us are allowing the devil to fight more for our soul than we're fighting than, the, than what we're fighting for, for for our own life. And so um, that's why for me. This is a spiritual battle. The church fathers, by the way, Lauren, are full of statements about spiritual warfare. They recognize mm-hmm. that St. Basil, one of the great church fathers, that's actually mentioned in a lot of Protestant churches, they recognize Basil the Great. He says that, um, he says this beautiful prayer that it says that, let me pray that um, for you, O God, to protect me from the arrows of the enemy who are constantly coming after me. Um, St. Theophon says that where, where there's no prayer and fasting, there are the demons. Um, and so we all need to recognize that it is there. And if he tempted Christ, um, obviously God is control, uh, in total control of that entire moment. He's off, he's, he is doing the same with us. He is real because the Bible says he's real. He has power and he's at war with us. His power, though, is limited, though, to our. He has power, but he doesn't have authority. We give him the power in our own lives. Mm. It's almost like a uh, there's an old Native American proverb that says about this grandfather that takes his grandson on a walk, uh, and they're wa- they're walking through this mountain, and there's two these two wolves, and maybe some of you that are hearing me say this have heard it before. And there's this black wolf, and there's this white white wolf, and they see off at a distance this grandson's looking at these two wolves attacking each other. One time the black wolf was on top of the white wolf, and then vice versa. They keep going back and forth. And ultimately, the, the, the grandfather looks over at his grandson and he said, did you see that battle? He's like, yes. He's like, I, he's like who ends up winning, granddad? Who, who ends up winning this battle? And he says, whichever wolf you feed. Mm. And 
for some of us, we have to answer this question or remember this. Whatever we starve dies, and whatever we are feeding thrives. And what are we feeding now? Which wolf are we feeding? The black wolf that's going to lead us astray, um, that's leading us to compromise on our values, to fall into that perpe- uh, persistent sin, to, to allow ourselves to fall by into the ways of the world. Or the other wolf that's telling us, hey, there's a better way. It's God's way. You know, one of the things that um, someone said um, over the one of the breaks, um, you know, it is an older gentleman, and he said, you know, because he's listening to you talk about the Bible and you're reading scripture and you're bringing out scripture. Mm. He says, you know what? We're just not Bible reading tradition. That's just not part of our tradition. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? How would you get through that kind of mindset? I think that this is probably one of the biggest uh, struggles that we, I mentioned earlier that the Orthodox Church, um, I would say that sometimes the people within the Orthodox Church, um, where we are losing the battle is that we have thought that um, that we are not a Bible-based church. The Orthodox Church is the Bible-based church. It is a church where its liturgy in and of itself is filled with Bible passages. All of our church fathers that we oftentimes quote, um, they, weren't, they, they, they became saints after they died. Most of them did. What did they know? What were they studying? Yes, we can quote them, but they, we were quoting people that knew their Bibles in and out. St. John Chrysostom had memorized huge sections of the entire Bible. They understood this principle that how, that, that if, and I mentioned it earlier, that dusty Bibles will lead to dark lives. We have got to be reading our Bible, but not just simply for information, Lauren. That's the key, too. I think sometimes in churches we simply read it for information. It's for transformation. One of the things I always tell myself whenever I'm reading the Bible and I'm on a routine where, it's, like I mentioned in my in the presentation, that the first 15 minutes every day, non-negotiable, is time with God. But I always say, after I read uh, um, a Bible verse, is the simple prayer. God, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me? What do I need to hear? And I would encourage your listeners that as you're reading the Bible, don't just read it for information. Read it for transformation. The church fathers, they knew it. Uh, the devil, though, by the way, also knows the Bible. I was going to say the devil probably knows the Bible more, more, more than better than most people, right. more than more, most Christians, because every way he attempted, he tempted Christ was through what the Scripture says. But he, but he twisted it. He did. He twisted the, the Scriptures, and that's why um, it's so important um, for us to be reading the Bible, not on our own so much. I mean, yes, it's good, to, but we also are part of a greater church that helps us to filter out what we're reading. Because we know from the history of the world, especially in our country, the Bible has been used um, not only as a tool, but it has been used as a weapon uh, to subjugate people, to justify behaviors that we did as a society. Um, And so we have to, uh, those are extreme cases, but nevertheless, if left unattended, um, we know that we can use anything um, to undermine the true, the core of what Christ wanted. He desires for us to be a people that not only read, but live. St. James, uh, the book of James, great Bible verse that says in there, he says, we're like, um, we're like people that look into the mirror and we look at what we are called to be, but then once we walk away from that mirror, we forget who we are. And I love that. In many ways, that's how we are. We, we can kind of look at the mirror, maybe on a Sunday morning, we're like, yeah, God, I need to live a better life. I need to follow. And then when we walk away, we forget who we're called to be. The mirror is Christ. And we have to always ask ourselves these two questions. What would God be telling me to start doing that I'm not doing right now? And your listeners that are listening right now, I would ask you this question. What is God telling you to start doing that you're not doing now? 
And what would he be telling you to stop doing that you are doing now? Mm. Um, your wife helps you in mm-hmm. your sermons, and you yep. talk about how you collaborate with her. This is an odd thing. Well, first of all, there are a lot of people who don't understand that Greek Orthodox priests actually do marry. Right. Actually, the priests don't marry. They marry before they're ordained, right. mm-hmm. and then they have mm-hmm. regular, you know, but they don't, if they are divorced, they cannot right. marry. Mm-hmm. But your wife is a psychologist. Um, she is a doctor, and she's a psychologist, and she helps you, or you collaborate on your sermons. How does that work? It started out of, you know, uh, such a great question, Lauren. Uh, it started uh, several, uh, back when we first got ordained, Roxanne was, you know, would, would obviously have patients and, and, and clients that would come to her. And Roxanne, I have to tell you, is an amazing, amazing psychologist. And I don't just say that because she's my wife, but she's extremely good at what she does. So when she, she would oftentimes so ask me that people would come to her wanting a Christian psychologist. And Roxanne is simply a clinical psychologist. Um, and so, uh, but she'd say, Nick, you know, tell me, like, what is where where would um you know theologically speaking let's talk about forgiveness in a marriage where you have infidelity or or someone that's struggling with anxiety they just can't break free from the society what does the bible tell what can i help what what are some great bible verses that i can share with them or stories within the bible and it grew out of that lauren and then vice versa i would say roxy i'm giving a sermon on forgiveness mm-hmm. how do i guide people practically this is where i think a lot of traditional churches where we are struggling, and I think that more of the Protestant churches are very good at. And again, we use this Protestantism, and forgive me, as an umbrella, but in the, in the, uh, is this notion of practical Christianity. Mm-hmm. If you want to know anything about Nick and Roxanne Lowe, it's that we are big fans of practical Christianity. Our book, Renewing You, as you mentioned earlier, is all about practical Christianity. Every sermon that we give when we collaborate on it is, is how do we help the Nick, the, the Yannis, or the Johns, the Marys, the Susans on Tuesday, on Wednesday when they're not in church and they're struggling or they're having an argument with their husband or they're struggling with their children or they're just overwhelmed with worry or they just been find out, they just found out that one of their family members or God forbid themselves were diagnosed with cancer. How do they deal with that? And we, have a, we as a church have to do a better job of remembering that we are a, a hospital. We're not a country club. Mm-hmm. And all churches, by the way, are called to be hospitals. And so for this reason, I think one of the appeals that people have found in us is that you have this priest and psychologist, two separate totally fields <laughs> that are um, giving people what we call practical Christianity and sharing with them that there is a better way. There's a better way that you can apply your faith. How do you convince a young person? I'm just thinking of persons that I know, and I'm not going to name names, but I just I know them in context of mm-hmm. various um, gatherings, and they are more children of the secular world than they are of the church, although they they, they go to the traditional Easter services mm-hmm. and um, big holy days, and they don't apply it to their lives. How do you start with them? How do you start convincing them that, you know what, God has a plan for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, there, there's a what we call in Greek the synergia or a synergy between the church, the big church, uh, that's your local parish, and then the small church, the family. I think the best, one of the greatest things that I share with our community is that you as a parent, is that you model and you stay grounded. Because the enemy, I would argue, is wanting so much more to steal and kill and destroy this family more than anything else. And if we as parents, and as I mentioned earlier, I am a parent myself, if we are not taking the time to be fed, working on our own spiritual 
walk of faith if we're not taking the time to spend time with our kids. We're now at an all-time low, and by the way, all-time low in our communication between husband and wife. It's only four minutes a day of engaged, active communication, not just talking about taking the kids to piano lessons or soccer, but just genuine conversation. So yes, there is a need of where the church, need, the big church needs to model to help with that. But there's also some ownership that we as parents need to do. And I think for so many people, we keep asking and looking at other people or other organizations or institutions to do what we are called to do as parents. There is a responsibility that God gives us. One of the church fathers speaks about that God's greatest gift to humanity is our children, and what we do with them is our gift back to God. And so I would encourage all of you that first, let it start with you. You take the time to spend with God. You take the time to grow in your walk of faith. 90% of communication, Lauren, and you probably already know this, is nonverbal. So we are teaching our children more in what we do than what we'll ever say to them. And then second of all is invite them into, I remember growing up, my dad would oftentimes say, and I've done this, I've continued this legacy, if you will, is we would talk about the Sunday morning uh, readings at the lunch table, at the dinner table on a Sunday. What did you guys think about what was heard, what we heard about today? Like bringing that in. you know, what, what do you think uh, when you're watching uh, something on, on television, uh, what do you think God would tell us about what we're watching? Yeah. You yeah. know, you, um, I think the Archons are going to put their, um, your speech on their website. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain what the, who, who the Archons are. So what most people don't realize is that there is a tremendous amount of religious persecution. We are very fortunate in this country, and it is an amazing country to live in America. And yes, there is different types of persecution. We, we see that in, its, in so many different ways. But one every eight, for every eight minutes, uh, one out of every eight minutes, there's a person of faith, and specifically in this case, a Christian that is dying. 100,000 Christians, Lauren, die every year simply for wearing the label Christianity. And that happens also in other religions. I don't want to be unique to just simply Christianity. In other religions, there is persecution. But what the archons have established, what, what they are, is they are the defenders uh, in many ways. They are, they are shining the lights on religious persecution that's taking place throughout the world, and specifically in what we call the ecumenical patriarch, which is in Constantinople, um, or today's uh, known today as Istanbul, Turkey, where our religious leader is, has very limited rights and privileges, his ability to move around freely, his ability to give sermons, uh, he's watched every time he says something. And I would argue that um, unless we shine the light on what's going on, people forget. Um, and as the great Martin Luther King Jr. Um, says, is that, you know, when, when we see tragedy take place, when good people stay quiet, that silence is communication, and we can no longer be silent about what we're seeing going on in this world. And so the archons are, are being the voice. They're being the intercom for saying, hey, everyone, there is persecution taking place on this world. And maybe that we're not seeing it uh, in this world, uh, in this country, uh, in the same way that we're seeing it around the world, but we need to wake up that people should not be killed, tortured, uh, imprisoned, not given the same exact rights because they're a people of faith. Uh, where have we lost our humanity? And it's getting worse and worse. And so this is where I think the Archons, what they're championing, and I would encourage all of you listeners to look at their website. It's called at archons.org, A-R-C-H-O-N.org, to find out more information about what they're doing. Um, But it is something that I think is going on, and and we're really not talking too much about it. Wow. I want to thank you so much, um, uh, Reverend Dr. Nicholas Lowe, the um, senior pastor of St. Nicholas, no, St. John the Divine Mm -hmm. um, Church 
uh, Greek Orthodox Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and the book um, is Renewing You, and you wrote with your wife. Um, you're going to, you, my whoever listening to this, you're going to hear more about you. Uh, mm-hmm. I just know that because, first of all, they've invited you back two more years mm-hmm. to speak at this mm-hmm. retreat, and because you have a message that a lot of of young people and a lot of people in the church have not heard before and they're hungry for it and so i would encourage people to go onto the archons website because i think they're going to post your speech mm-hmm. up there and uh, it's going to be amazing um and if they're you know if if i may uh, lauren if you'll just indulge me that if you are one of these people that are just looking for a daily word of inspiration if you're like us uh, roxanne and i are people that just just like you we're just normal people um and we need inspiration roxanne and i write a little daily devotional every single day there's no strings attached you don't have to be in the Orthodox Church. If you just simply want to be inspired in your walk of faith, go to thelows.com, which is L-O-U-H-S. It's a unique spelling. It's thelows, L-O-U-H-S dot com. Click on the subscribe button, and all you have to, and just simply put in your email address, and every day at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, you'll receive a daily word of encouragement, if that helps. Um, Dr. Nicholas, Reverend Nicholas, Father Nicholas, uh, thank you very much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you so much, Lauren, for the invitation. And thank you all for listening. Have a blessed day. I'm Lauren Green. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.